Welcome to Startup Stories, where we go behind the scenes of some of the most interesting and innovative tech startups in the world. Each episode will bring you in-depth interviews with entrepreneurs and business leaders, sharing their personal stories on success, failure, and everything in between. So whether you're an entrepreneur yourself or someone that's just generally interested in the world of startups, then Startup Stories is the perfect place for you to gain insight and inspiration into some of the most exciting players in the game. So sit back, relax, and join us on a journey of Startup Stories. Hi, Mark. Welcome to the Startup Stories podcast. Good morning. Hi, John. Pleasure to have you. So we've got some listeners and of course, they don't know who you are. So could you kindly introduce yourself, please? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, my name is Mark, Mark Rubalauks. I'm a co-founder of the company called Zoe, and we are specialized on visualization for products, for furniture, for every design company you could imagine. And we are creating 3D worlds, we are doing images, we are doing animations, and we are also an agency who are supporting our clients to come into the digital area, to making digital twins for their products and also supporting them for their whole campaign. And uh, actually, my background is that I'm a trained architect. I studied architecture and I started in the architecture visualization field, and then slowly we turned over into this design field uh, where we are now working. Thank you, Mark. So, Soy, you've been there now four years, is that right, since 2019, since your merge? It's a merge, exactly. So, Zoe, as a standalone, was, I think, founded in 2016. It was actually coming out of an agency, and it was a side product of a typical agency. So they're focusing on creating the content for the agency. And I founded the company before uh, in 2006 called Pure. We are focusing on architectural visualization. And in 2019, we got the merger of these two companies that is now the Zoe as you know it in the present time. Wonderful. Okay, so this is where you are right now, which is fantastic. You're, you're doing great with the Zoe business. But what I want to understand is who you really are and what makes you the person you are today. So take me back to your childhood from its earliest possible context, your earliest memory. <laughs> the earliest memory of a childhood? Yeah, take me back. Oh my God. <laughs> I think it was more music related. The first memory was more like sounds that I can remember. We were a family who where music played a big role. You know, there was a lot of music all around all the day. And so my first memories were coming from music that my parents were listening to, my bigger brother were listening to. So these were really the first memories that I got, all related to art somehow. So it's, uh, and music is also a constant thing in my life all the time. So even now, as I'm working in, in a field which is more focusing on images music is still a very big influence and uh, a reference and an inspiration do you use music to to aid you when you're working while i'm working you know like uh, yeah you know like yeah like some people listen to music in the background they find yeah. it really stimulating to focus all the time all the time so it there's some people who are doing that to like brain sucking you know like to get away so it's more like ambient sounds or whatever that's also what i really like but especially music giving me some kind of emotions that i then try to incorporate in the work i'm doing you know like it's not just to have it as a background sound but also getting some inspirations out of it of a 
certain kind of style of a certain kind of mood. And this is something that is also then transported into the work we are doing. That's very interesting. It's a very powerful thing, isn't it? Really can just change a mood in an instant. Yeah, but it's similar to what we try to achieve with the images because music is the ultimate emotion that you can generate somehow because it's getting immediately into your system. You know, no brain, no analyst, nothing is really trying to stop what you get as an emotional feeling. And with the image, it's actually the same. You look at an image and you are either immediately touched by or you like it or you dislike it. And you often do not know why. So, and this is exactly the work we are trying to concentrate on. In the images, it's always the overall look and feel, but also the sum of all the details you put into. As we are working in a 3D field and we are creating these images by hand, as you can say, because in 3D world, you normally, even with all the tools that are helping you, you have to place all the things, you have to model all the things, or you have to put the whole thing together and make a composition. So it's not just there. So you have to create it and you have to take care of all the kind of things that make a great image. Mm -hmm. And it's always this kind of a combination of the look and feel, the combination of the mood, but also all the details you have to put in. So you look at an image and you say immediately, I like it or I do not like it. I don't know why, but it's, it's somehow it's, it's getting me. And you cannot describe sometimes why you like it, but you would realize if all this work would not have happened in this image, if all the details were not there, if, if all the concept were not done in, in front. And that's actually all this immediate response that you have. It's similar to the music that you listen. You, you immediately like it or dislike it. And it, they have some kind of similarities, these two approaches. Yeah. So take me back to your childhood again. I want to get an opinion from yourself of how would you have described yourself in your sort of childhood early teenage years how would you describe yourself i grew up in a very small village actually so i was not in a big town like i'm living here today in berlin so it and also in a time in the late uh, 70s early 80s so i'm at the moment 48 so it was around the early 80s so you didn't have access or i didn't have access to a lot of cultural things but i was always interested in and it's also this is related to music and also to cover art of music you know like my shelter place was the record store in the next bigger village that i was able to travel once a day with the bus you know this kind of suburb we're living and i got very inspired by some artwork cover artworks that was then getting me ideas about what to do actually and that there's something existing out of this local things that you're all aware of and uh, that was for me always the first point to say okay i need to get out there <laughs> as soon as possible what i also did then with uh, 18 and i need to go to a place where all this kind of art is happening you know all this kind of uh, music and images and uh, movies etc is, is created by these, these people i was always a creating person you know I, I was always with the with the things that i was able to achieve and the tools that i was able to get my hands on i was always try to create some kind of art either if it's with drawings photos and uh, later and that was really the whole thing why i'm still in this business when i opened my first 3d program 
you know, like this was my brother, I can remember it absolutely clearly, who is or was also a tech nerd. And he had this first 3DS Max version for DOS even, you know, like this very, very old version. <laughs> and to see how things come alive while you're doing this, you know, you, at this version, you had to do 2D shapes that then went to a lofter and then you had a, just the mesh and then you hit the render button and then you have this kind of reflection. I mean, these were the days where a simple reflection would get you crazy and say, wow, look at this, <laughs> you know. And uh, yeah, this is how I spent my time as a teenager, always trying to create something. And luckily, I was in the first generation to have in contact then with the technical world, uh, in this case, 3D world. So what was your first job, Mark? It was in a local restaurant, an Italian restaurant, washing the dishes. And there was, I think, 15. So the age where you were able to get some money. And yeah, I was working in the kitchen and uh, I worked myself up from doing the dishes. And then uh, one day I was able to do the pizzas. So <laughs> it was really just typical local job that you were able to do as a, uh, while you're going to school. But it was good. Was I really like that because it was the first time to realize that you have to to stick to some things. So when you have a shift, you need to be there and you cannot go. So and the shift is then ended when it's ended. So it was really for me a good learning from spending my time, you know, doing anything but you know the things that I should do, and then getting the first understanding that you have to be committed to something, even if it's just a dishing wash washing job in a restaurant you have to take it serious you know and and people are counting on you so it, it sounds really old-fashioned i know but it's it's something that that is sticking with me through all my life that when i'm doing something yeah it needs to be done and then people are relying on you and and then you you do you the things that you have to do there was a good learning definitely yeah you literally answered my next question i was going to say from that first job did it teach you anything that you yeah, still yeah, carry with you today very interesting. A lot. And, and I also got some scarves, you know, from the hot uh, oven, you know, <laughs> when you reach it. So, so I even see it literally on my arms. So no, but I had a lot of jobs. I tried to, you know, it was not so easy to get to some money at this time as a, going to school. So I did a lot of jobs working in a pizza hut or working on um, storage where I just doing some stupid work. This was also a lesson that there are jobs out there who are really stupid and where you really do not use your brain or anything all the day. And this is something I do not want to do. So it was also a really big lesson. So after six weeks working in the storage, just scanning documents, it was the most boring thing you can imagine. I said, no, I, I, one thing I'm for sure, I would never want to do some kind of job that is repeated, you know, but that, that's fine. It's no judgment. It's more just, it's not for me. So, and this yeah. was also something I was able to work. And then it was my dream job that I came later to work in the record store, which uh, was a long time, very important role in my life. Yeah. A big transition as well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I totally resonate with what you're saying, though. You want to be in a place where you feel like you're learning and you're really using your brain, like you said. So it makes total sense that you went into the record store after that, something you're passionate about. <laughs> Absolutely. And being the record dealer and uh, yeah, yeah, it, it was really a funny time. But then also I realized that it became too cozy. You know, it could have gone on like this. You know, it was like, a, it was a mid-sized town, about 200,000 people living there. You were one of the record dealers. You, you had a certain kind of 
peer group that you were doing with. So it could have gone on like this. And I realized this is too easy. This is something I need to do something different. This was the, the time then I, I packed my thing and said, oh, no, I go to, I need to go to a bigger city and new challenge and starting also the thing that I like to do which was not clear at this time, to be honest. So I was around 20 and I was rejecting studying architecture because uh, my father is also an architect and I said everything I do, but I don't become an architect <laughs> because I see the reality he was dealing with. But I have to then admit, no, it's actually my thing. You know, it's creating this kind of design and creating in combination with the 3D that was coming up at this time, creating some images, creating a vision, creating an atmosphere in a combination of having the design and the images in 3D, that this is my thing. And it's still to today, over all the years. So leading up to where you are today, if you went back, can you think of a pivotal moment in your life that made you the person you are today or pivotal person maybe someone in your life had that huge impact on you yeah unfortunately i have to come back to music again i mean like like the, the, i was very inspired by a certain kind of music and especially a big bandwidth of music you know i, I was listening to from upcoming electronic things to classical things to hard rock stuff so so it's really a big big bandwidth but there are certain artists who are were influencing me a lot because they're capturing a certain kind of atmosphere and view to the world and the art that was creating the person i was in and like for example david sylvian i don't know if this is still known as an artist a very sensitive kind of music that was generated there very artful philip glass was one of the the kind of things that i was really inspired by and this was all the moments that is deeply connected to me you know like mm -hmm. like becoming the person i am and of course personal people in my environment my art teacher for example was also you, you see it's all related to art here to be honest so it, it, talking to you i realized myself to be honest that all my life was somehow connected to creating things and getting some atmosphere and managing some kind of creating some atmospheric objects or images and mood for things so this was all coming back to the time i, I was a teenager it's really interesting i guess it's really nice to actually reflect uh, you know, <laughs> remembering all these music times. Yeah, I never thought for a long time about this, to be honest. But looking back, um, and when you're asking me this, it really played a big, 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 big role. Because, as I said, like, at this time, in a very small village, um, it was not so easy to get in touch with this kind of things that I think is very important, was very important for me to get influenced by and so so art and music and movies played a big role in this case and maybe even more than certain kind of people should have <laughs> played but they influenced me and they they gave me a lot of good outviews to the future what could be possible so take me back to 2006 then pure rendering oh yeah was this your first business Actually, yes, I was still studying architecture. So I, I did a few jobs in architectural offices and I realized very, very early, and this is still a continuity of, of the story that I told before. I was even in the studying architecture field, the one who 
were doing all the images all the time for all my colleagues, etc. It was a new kind of technology. Nobody knew how to use it. And, and I was using that a lot. And I had absolutely no clue about construction, etc. So I was really always into designing things. And I was working at architectural offices and I realized, oh God, no, this is not the field <laughs> that's for me. And there were all these types of architects who were loving their job because they're creating buildings. You know, that there's something there in real life in the end that you can go into, you can live in there, etc. I was never interested in, to be honest. I was always satisfying doing the job and doing the images finished. Mm -hmm. You know, this was, this was so the, the late, the, the process later on, I was never, never interested in. And so my first job was then working in architectural offices, being the guy for the images, you know, like the one who can do this, you know, it was very new, as I said, so not a lot of people were able to do this. And out of this, I realized, hey, this can become a business. Yeah. So it was at this time, it was really just in the architectural offices that we were done. And just here and there, there were a few companies out there. And then I started this on my own, you know, like starting 2006, while I was studying, uh, creating the company and getting the first jobs. And then I was lucky to get some partners in Canada who were then providing me with a lot of jobs coming from the USA in New York. And then the rest was history. It was very, very fast and that we become bigger, bigger and having the opportunity to work on some big projects all over the world. It was very fast. Well, it looks like it was quite a ride, nearly 13 years. And then obviously it stopped in 2019. Talk to me about that. And then of course, you moved quickly with Soy, with your partner, Aunt, I believe. Yes, like starting that business in 2006 was really a golden age for this industry. You know, there were a few companies out there who were on the same level. I was lucky to have also this infrastructure with my Canadian partners who were providing me all the possibilities to enter the market in the US and in, in, in Dubai, etc. Because I was still a young guy from berlin you know like like even if i was talented with my work i could have never done this kind of job so i understood also that business needs to be created seriously and that's mm -hmm. not just about talent it's not just about passion it's something totally different you need to plan this you need to have the financial part right you have to need to do the marketing stuff you need to have the sales stuff right this is what i learned from this period a lot especially from my partners at this time. And we were able to produce a long, long time, uh, very high standard images and animations. And the budgets were also pretty good, to be honest. So it was really a good business at this time. And over the time after, I think, Lehman crisis, which was a big problem, for a few years, you, you can remember this, uh, <laughs> the, the trouble that were happening in the US where all the real estate market went down, etc. Mm -hmm. So of course, it had also influences on, on our work and on every company. And what happened is that, of course, that more and more smaller companies and people were coming up. This is evolution. This is this is normal. You, you, know, you have you're working in the business and then new competitors coming up. And uh, of course, the market got smaller and smaller in terms of the opportunities, the budgets got lower and lower. And that's fine. You know, that's no complaint. This is the normal way it goes. And we were looking for new opportunities because we developed a certain kind of 
expertise where I always thought that just doing that in the visualization field of architecture is not completely right. So, and this was the time I came across with aunt who were coming from Zoe at this time and from an agency background. And they were working for bigger companies in the design field and manufacturer field. And we met and it was really love at first sight. And we said, okay, this is a very cool combination. We want exactly the same thing. We're having a total passion for what we're doing and we have different kind of expertise. And that's a total match and total fit. And this is why we decided then to merge this. So we bring all this kind of expertise that we were generating with the pure side and they were generating with the agency side to a new kind of company that was created then. So when you joined Soy, where were they at then in terms of size, their presence and, and across the market and where they are now? They were more a boutique, so they were concentrating a lot of what they could do best or still very, very good into making the analyst for the client. So to understand the client need from a brand perspective, this is where they are coming from. So and that's a very, very important factor. Images are the end product of a very important and complex process that is happening before. And one of that is to understand not just your client, but to understand the brand, to understand what is the reality, what is the DNA of this client, what what makes the client the client. And that really at every aspect, this is where they're coming from, this is where they were concentrated on. And then they had a smaller team of people doing the images in a very high standard. And what they were not so trained on were to scale it, to bring in some kind of structure that allows this boutique kind of working on the images, doing in a bigger scale, in a more efficient way. This is where we are more coming from, like getting a process and getting the knowledge about how to create the production out of this that that is both high standard, having all the aspects that we were talking about before, like all the details, all the atmospheric things that needs to go into, but still on a level that's, you know, needs to be done business-wise. And this was the big fit. And I think at this time there were about 20 people around. I can't recall it too much around that. And then now today we are about 70. So it was not just that we came to Zoe and then it was double. It was more that at this time we were then, I think, 35, 40. It really continuously grew over the time because the agency aspect also grew over the time. So our agency department got bigger and our production got bigger, our creation department got bigger. So every part of the company got bigger over the time. Yeah, nice. And that's been a pretty steady growth. I mean, on average, that works out about roughly 20, 12 hires a year since, you know, up to today's date. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And especially we have to see at 2019, it was a different reality than what then happened in 2020 with Corona. Even there, we were able to extend our field and our people and grew over time. We, we were able to continue the work. We were able even to grow our market. So it was really, but still hard. You know, it was really a complete new world. I think everybody who is working in that field can remember that very well. You know, that all of a For sudden, sure. not just personally, the things changed, but also business wise, a lot of things changed and got big challenges. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. So tell me then, you know, 
you joined in 2019. You're still going to this day, so seven years later in total, roughly. What's the kind of mindset and the kind of team that you need to have in a startup to thrive? What kind of people? I mean, like people are always the core of every company and it's also the wealth of every company. And we have a lot of people working for us, either if it was previously at the other company from the agency, but also at Pure. We're working with them together since 2006, 2005. So, so we have quite a few people who are working with us or working with me or with Aunt for 15 years, for 20 years nearly. And they're wow. still in the company. That's something that's no matter what, very important. If you're able to do this and have this, these are values you cannot overrate too much. Really, it's unbelievable. And still, of course, you need to have people coming from with new and fresh looks on the topic and having some kind of different kind of views and experiences. So you always have to look out for a good mixture as I think of, of new people and people who are working for you, if it's possible across for a startup, it's, it's not, it's not possible. If you're a startup, you always have having new people, but we're a little bit of the combination of having both. We are, we are on the one hand, a company who is there for 20 years and we had to reinvent ourselves every few years. So we are always some kind of startup three point, no, four point five yeah. point. So, so it's going on. And especially today, we're facing also a new area with AI, you know, where we're also on the way again to reinvent ourselves. And there you also need other kind of people that you maybe needed to have last year, but still also the values of the companies need to be continued with that. You know, mm -hmm. all the expertise you're building up with your people needs to survive this transition because these are really the values you have on the market. The one thing is just technology. The one thing is just the technical aspect or the talent you have, but to understand really your business, to understand really the client, to understand really what you're doing, it's much more than this. So it's always good to have people that are familiar with you and your company and all the clients for many, many years. So it's always a mixture of everything. And we're having to face new challenges every year where we reinvent ourselves constantly, actually. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right with that. It really made me filled with joy when you were saying about having the mix of the old that have been there for many, many years, because that is very rare to have someone that's in the business 15, 20 years nowadays anyway. Yeah. But to have that mix too, like you were saying, but uh, equally as important is that the old get on with the new as well. Like, for example, the old being open to new ideas and vice versa. Yep. And it's really funny. We are, I think, the first generation who are getting older in this business. You know, like when we all started, all the people, me, myself, and also the people who are working for us for 20 years, they were, when they started early 20 or N20, and they're, now they are mid-50, something like that. So they get into their retirement. And so we are the first gen generation of 3D workers who are getting retired in that business. And when you have asked me a few years ago, how could this look like? I have no idea. You know, you, you know how a retired salesperson looks like or what he's doing, but we, we never knew what a 65-year-old 3D artist is doing. 
you know, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and is he still able to do this? And I have to say, yeah, it is, it is, it, it is possible. And I really love this. I really admire this uh, because what you said, of course, they need to be open-minded, you know, like for new technology, it's very, very easy. And it's, it's, it's human nature to sometimes to say, oh, no, I don't want to have change again. You know, this is working. Why don't we stick with that? And so, but all the people who started, this is my view on the whole thing or what I experienced, all the people who have started in that field were always open-minded. So in most cases, they are still are today, even when they're getting older, you know, and, yeah. and it's not the case that, that they're closing their mind for new technologies, the opposite, you know, like, like they're embracing that sometimes much more. And at the same time, they're saving us sometimes from unwisely decisions in getting too fast into some other stuff <laughs> like they say okay but you know hold back <laughs> like you know like to change the whole thing you know every two years or every year that, that that has some other problems you know like and i listen to them and it's always to find to find the right balance you know with that so so new views new technologies new blood is very important to have that also sometimes the passion of the young people who are who are just doing and stuff and uh, working hard and working long time etc and at the same time i i really appreciate the calmness of the senior artists mm -hmm. who are were able to produce the same amount of volume and work but much calmer you know without <laughs> all this kind of stressful situation both have their value you know it's it's, it's very and, and they're they're also influence each other that's that's very good that's what i like yeah i think i completely agree with you on that okay so walk me through building a business like soy then what's been the biggest struggle building a company and how did you overcome it the biggest struggle we're working in a field with clients who were used to work with photographers for decades it's a very special niche in what we are working in so we're working for big manufacturers like vitra usm Vidon, all these big brands who are doing all these kind of furnitures and design pieces and they were used to do all the images with photo shootings and it's a tradition and a and also a workflow and a connection to to other peoples that they build up for decades that they at the one hand realized that the new technology is the future so new is fairly I mainly we are to, we know that this is for ages still the case but for them it's fairly new you know like and and still some clients are still struggling to realize that photo shootings there are many, many reasons why photo shootings are still valid to do these mm -hmm. days, but of course not in the number that's actually done today. And the corona showed a lot in this case that 3D is still able to work while real life photo shootings were not able to have happened. You know, it was a difficulty to do that. And that also the quality of the images is really something where you could say, okay, you cannot discern it from a real image anymore. That's absolutely no way. You know, when, when you really put the work in it, it's really something that, and still a lot of people, a lot of companies need to be convinced. That's a big challenge, actually, because the structure is still, is often 
very old fashioned. And I totally understand this. You know, this is for them, it's a very important decision to do if they are doing that still with photo shootings or if they really are relying on a new technology, which is some kind of voodoo to them still, you know, like they do not really understand it. And they're, they're you know, on, on a photo shooting set, you can go there, you see it, you can grab it with your hands, you can talk to people. That's something that's normal. And then all of a sudden something happened somewhere in the computer and then the image. you know it's, it sounds a little bit you know superficial but it is really the case for a lot of people still and i understand this because it's not their business you know so yeah. so and and this is something that that is still i think also other people can maybe say this from other kind of niches that you still still today have to struggle with the prejudice that 3d work is simple 3d work is not really a work you know, it's it's really just a push with the button, and I I have a nephew who can do the same, and blah blah blah. So so there are a lot of things always going on, and it's still the case to today. So to convincing them and really to supporting them also that this this mm -hmm. change is really needed. Yeah, and that's something that it's helping them in the end. I can understand why clients are hesitating. You know, because of all the reasons that I said, like it's it's really a tough decision to do. And there you need to be very patient. So we had a few clients that took very, very long time. And I, I and we supporting them just step by step, step by step, step by step, until they came to the point and say, okay, now we are totally convinced, you know, and especially with you, we can do it to, together. We change now everything to 3D. That This took a long time with Zoe. So we were a lot investing a lot mm -hmm. the first years. We were investing a lot to build up relationships with clients. Which is very important. It goes back to the principle of being open-minded, like with the older generation of employees, that people naturally don't want to change if, if it already worked before. But when they don't know that something out there is better, it's obviously hard to convince them that there is. Yes, and as I said, I can understand it. It's, it's mm -hmm. something where, you know, these structures were created over decades. And I really appreciate this because it shows also a certain kind of respect to what they're doing and, and that they are taking their partnerships with others very seriously because i i wanted to be treated the same you know like like that and therefore we are not getting into the market and saying replace everything we are the best and da, da, da. so we are really looking always for what is the best for the client what is the benefit you know what is now the right thing is that yeah, continue with the photo shootings at this point, but here it maybe makes more sense in 3D or do we have a combination? We we, are, we don't have an ego. We are always trying to do the best what's what's for the client. Mm -hmm. And therefore, it's it's really a step-by-step -step progress and we're always trying to, to look what makes most of the sense to them for what time. And then, of course, over the years... Also, I mean, you know, all, a lot of photographers also change to 3D companies. So it's also there something happening. You know, that they are also, of course, trying to, to bring in their profession. And they're also not always doing photo shoots, but also doing 3D work in the meantime. And that's totally valid. You know, and we always say, okay, we always can work together with everybody. And we always look what could help the client now and where we can be, be the best fit. So that's that's always the point. So Soy today is around seventy people. What's your sort of long term goals and ambitions for Soy? How far do you want to take it? Whoa, <laughs> that's, that's really oh my god. Uh, 
<laughs> That's really a tough question because, of course, we we always have a vision about what we are doing. We always have a vision about what we want to achieve for the client. We always have a vision about what we want to achieve for the company. But this vision is not so related to certain kind of aspects, how many people we want to have, how many revenue we want to generate. Of course, we need to take care about this as well, but not in the long term. It's more like in the midterm that we have an overview about what's happening there because the world, and this is something that really changed over the last 15 years, mm -hmm. the world is spinning faster and faster and faster. And the frequency of things that are changing, either is it technology-wise or business-wise, it's also higher and higher. So what we think about now, what to do in, in two years, looking back now, you know, like like last year, a few years back, 10 years ago, I, I was able to do that. I said, okay, our long plan about next three, four, five years is that, you know, and you could be quite sure if you're not too stupid and lazy, you, you could achieve this somehow. Now we are, we are, of course, we are also thinking about the future and say, what are we able to do next year in two years and three years, five years? Of course it's needed, but the longer you now go into the future, the less you can be sure that your prediction is right. <laughs> so you need to have a certain kind of adaption level and flexibility that is totally new you know, in this amount and this flexibility you have to be. You have to, to set up a guiding star somehow, but the way to it, this is something that will be that will be challenging over next year. I, I don't know if, if you know the TV series Deaths. You know, like Deaths. Like, uh, Deaths D no, I don't think I've heard of it. As a total recommendation. And very uh, uh, One of the best TV series ever. And it's also about determination of the future and prediction of the future. And the longer it gets into the future, the less accurate it is, of course, with the data you're having today. And this is something reminding me moment every day. So, so yes, we are, we are, of course, trying or will have... No, the other way around. We need to talk about the big elephant in the room. We need to talk about AI. I mean, this is this is something. Without that, every answer to this question is obsolete. Yeah, <laughs> like, this is something that that is a new player in the whole game. And I'm watching this for a few years, and and really, really dedicated in the last one year, one and a half year, uh, what's happening there. And we can be very sure that this will have. And I'm very vaguely now with my, with my, with my speak. This will have a huge impact about how we will work in the future in every field, but especially in our field. Yeah. And this will, of course, have a lot of influence about how we will be in one year, in two years, in three years. Yeah, I totally agree. I think with the advancement of AIs, especially of, uh, over the last few years, it's mind-blowing it's blown my mind how quickly as you say we're moving faster than ever like every day you know obviously i'm well connected on linkedin and every single day i go on my feed there's something new being invented i'm like when when will we get a chance to breathe and actually get used to that tool first and then there's a new one the next day it's crazy it's unbelievable because when we're finished our talk, we can be sure that this thing even changed again. And the things that yeah. I said to the colleague yesterday is maybe now absolutely up obsolete because it, it changed all the problems that we had with tests with the AI yesterday are solved to 
today where I thought, okay, this will take another two years until we come to the point and all, all of a sudden and one week later it's there. In both directions, it's possible. You know, we need to be careful that we are not saying, okay, this is now the holy grail for everything, you know, mm-hmm. because it isn't. And in certain parts, it is. You know? And to, to really discern this, you know, like what are the right things? What are the right tools? And, and not just the tools, but also the mindset, because we are not talking about that this is just a new tool coming up or a new technology coming up. It's a total new mindset that is coming up. And this is something we also need to discuss about what is the value, what was the value of an image, what was the value of our work previously, and what will be the value of our work in an image in the future. Yeah. And, and where is it coming from? Is it really coming from the creation that somebody's putting in hard work in it? Or is it coming from the vision that you have with the image. That's a big topic that will be discussed in the future because I can remember that, of course, there's all these ongoing topics about is AR really art? You know, there are a lot of people say, no, this is not art. This is something else. I mean, these same discussion were done in the 50s about photography. We say this is not an art form. You're, you're just, you know, putting reality onto your camera. That's nothing to do with art. You know, and all of a sudden, the concept of being art then changed and say, okay, of course it is art and it's something artful you're doing because it's, it's something you have in, in your mind and not just a technical aspect. And I can remember also in the first days of 3D, it was a similar similarity because there were some court decisions because people were stealing images. Some clients were stealing images, putting on the website, it didn't pay them. And then people went to court and then the court said, oh yeah, no, it's not something you need to protect because it's, it's a computer work. You cannot protect this. So the, the, the client can take the images without paying. These were the first decisions that were done by court. And now today it's not possible because now you have something about protection of your work, etc. But this was in the beginning, there were people saying, oh no, this is, you, you didn't paint it. You didn't paint the shadow and you didn't paint it. So, so it's just something in a computer. So it's nothing worse to protect. And we have, this reminds me of the discussion going on now with the AI. What is now worse to protect? Where is the value actually? Is it a technical aspect? or there's something that going beyond absolutely and i never really looked at it like the way you just explained it about you know the photos in the 50s it's a very very interesting way of looking at it and i think you're actually right i mean yeah that makes total sense okay so mark take me to your your personal motivators then like you've talked about the goals for soy and what you've been doing what you've been achieving but why do you do what you do what motivates you to get out of bed in the morning every day and continue doing what you're doing it sounds a little bit cheesy, maybe, but it's still the people, to be honest. Yeah. Also, that, 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 I'm a very social guy, so I meet people, I like people, I like the people I'm working with. And uh, this was also a big problem in, in the corona time, when, when you have asked me before corona, say, is it possible to work from home and still having connection to people? And I said, oh, no, 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 it's not, it's not possible. I, I need to be in the office, I need to talk with people, I need to talk with people and decide things while we are talking, you know, because I get a different kind of view to the whole thing. The exchange of the people, especially in the creative work, was really and still is important to me. We found out in the end it is at a certain level possible to do uh, without getting in personal contact every day. So we were able to not just survive Corona, but even extended our business with that. But still the connection to the people is something that motivates me. Absolutely. And the yeah. second thing is, is I'm still, and it's really funny. You did some very good question about 
bringing me back to to the teenage time because as I'm often looking at things and I the same I feel the same excitement about doing as I was back doing my first 3D image work. So this technology never got bored to me to be able to create things from scratch, to create complete worlds, to complete designs that are not really existing, but still you're, you're feeling them through the images. This is something that still blows my mind, you know, and this is why I work or I try or I love to work in this field still. I can remember when I was in university, I did, um, I did um, a lecture about Tadao Ando. And I can really remind it made click in my mind because I was doing, I was presenting his work. I was talking about Tadao Ando. I was showing it, and neither me nor all, one of the students were ever visiting in Tadao Ando building. It was mo- mostly he was building in Japan, et cetera, et cetera. So nobody visited his architecture in real life, but we were sitting there judging his architecture and his skills by images. We looked at the images and said, oh, that's a cool design. Okay, wow, this is, oh, look, look at the materials. Oh, wow, this is an atmosphere. None of them was experiencing that firsthand in real life, but we were saying and where we dare to say this is a good architecture or not. And this really made click because when it's all about the image to judge, <laughs> okay, then I can just stick with the image. So I don't need to have the real architect <laughs> in the end when I have mm-hmm. the image to prove that it's working or that's looking good. And this is what... What still is my main job also in our business to have there an overview and doing the designs, et cetera. And for me, I'm very proud always about the results that we are generating still. You know, like these are the things where I look at the image and say, yeah, that's cool stuff. You know, I know that's hard work and there's a lot of things putting into the design wise. And that's for me fine. I never need to build this in real life and, and I never need to have this in real life. And this is still the motivation. This technology drives me and the people drives me still. And this is why I'm so excited also with the AI, because this is now the next level where I'm thinking, wow, this is mind-blowing what's going on there. Yeah, I know. I love to hear that, Mark. It's uh, it's really exciting and inspirational to hear the motivation that you still have to the day, even from, as you say, your first job back then, the 3D imaging and, of course, the record shop and stuff like that. It all resonates. I can, I can feel the energy even now speaking to you. Yeah, you, you, you mean even I am so old or what? I mean, I... <laughs> <laughs> no, <it's> okay. <laughs> no, but it's really true. Like, and there, of course, it's a benefit that the technology is constantly evolving and getting better. And we're able now to achieve results that I was dreaming of, you know, like, mm-hmm. like a few years back. Same with the streaming work of music. Like, if you have told me when I was a kid that there will be once a 24 hours open record shop where you can get every music you think of at any time immediately. I would say, yeah. wow, this is, this is unbelievable, you know? Like, that was the time where you have to go to the record store. You had your 20 German marks when you go through and you choose wisely your record you want to buy, you know, just have, you know, this budget. And, and so you was listening. To, but that's the whole thing that's also a good point because the streaming, as much as I love it, of course, it also lowered a little bit. I have the feeling sometimes the value of the music especially for the younger generation who have now access to every kind of music, to every kind of thing at the same time. And so they are sometimes judging also very fast. 
they're yes. they're just listening to something and say, oh no, skip, skip, skip. And I know I sound like real, like my my son is now fifteen. He 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 looks at me sometimes and says, oh, you're boomer. And said, so, no. <laughs> <laughs> at least Generation X, come on. So, but of course, I sometimes feel like a veteran where I say, okay, well, we we just had this record. I, I I played it over and over and over again, you know. And and now these days, it's it's really much more easier to have access. But the sheer amount of possibilities gets you to something where I said, even myself, even I go to, I don't know, Spotify, whatever, and say, what do I want to listen to? And I'm overwhelmed by the possibilities. Yeah. And then I'm ending up with listening to nothing you know, or just the old stuff again. So, and uh, that's, that's something where also you see the dark side of the technologies at this case. Yeah, yeah I 100% agree with that. I think humans are designed to not have too many options because when we have too many options like you say we don't do anything and it it, it reminds me of going to a restaurant right when you've got the menu and it's just got too many options you just don't know what to choose but when you go to let's say a simple restaurant where you've got five different options you pick one done yeah but uh, i i totally agree with that and at the same time of course it's tempting to have all the options you know like yeah. like, <laughs> like you, you don't want to limit yourself you know so so you're I'm always in a fight with between this so therefore of course and this is really a good interesting point and also a little bit coming back to to our work at, at the same time you need somebody who consult you you need somebody to help you so i have a friend working in the music industry and all i do is i follow his uh playlist because he's doing the job for me to pre-select things and i'm totally happy with that you know, like, uh, I like his taste and I know it's similar to mine and there I get the stuff I really need. So it's really 10 of 10 are a hit with that. And it's also part of our job to help our client in this field. You can imagine that most of the clients are looking at this technology, which is familiar to us and have the same feeling. Oh my God, so many opportunities, so many things possible. Oh my God, what I'm doing here. And this on a different level, because the whole business is related to that. A lot of money is going in there. So of course that there then decide coming back to the previous topic and say, ah, oh, maybe better not. Maybe let's stick with the old stuff. I can understand. So it's our main work is supporting them and guiding them and consulting them mm -hmm. to find the right answer for them. Yeah. Okay, Mark. Well, last question then. If you've got someone that's on the fence about starting a business, what one bit of advice would you give them? It's maybe an old advice, but I still think it's true. Make a lot of mistakes as much as possible. So, and, and learn out of this because a lot of failures in businesses and early businesses that you have an idea. And you're totally convinced of that. And that's good. I mean, everybody say, oh, passion, it's a thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm pretty sure that most of the people who are starting a business have passion enough because otherwise they would not have started this. You need to have certain kind of passion, a certain kind of working will to start something. But to bring this through, you will definitely make mistakes and you will definitely yeah. face some downsides dramatically. Even in our years going on, we had, as I said, like Lehman crisis. We had all of a sudden, nobody was answering our phones anymore. Within two weeks, all of the business went from 100 to zero. I mean, literally zero. Yeah, that th These kind of things. And of course, these were things that happening from the outside, but also you will do mistakes. You will do wrong decisions. And you say afterwards, oh my God, should I have known? They say, yeah, okay, forget it. To continue the whole thing and accept that things are working differently 
and also maybe not as much as you thought of in the beginning mm -hmm. and still see the value in it and still follow the the guiding star but changing direction in between and being there flexible and accepting mistakes and errors that you did and continue that's the most important thing to be honest because then you can continue for a long time otherwise you have a great idea yeah perfect other 2000 different people have also great ideas and start things but to survive this you need to be resilient let's say it this way <laughs> definitely yeah i agree with you i'm gonna make a crazy statement i'd actually say people should relish failure because from my experience with my own business the best things that ever happened to us were off the back of failure because it was all going yes. great and you think nothing's going to go wrong and everything's going to be great forever and then something happens and you're just like you can't work out why what you were doing before does not work no longer and through those moments of turmoil whilst you think it's horrendous at the time you always end up reinventing yourself better and it always turns out yep. better yes definitely and to be sure and to be clear you really feel shitty in this time it's yes. nothing where <laughs> where we all say like oh yeah afterwards was ah, it was somehow cool and and it, it, it no it is it is as terrible as it sounds and it's also sometimes as desperate as it sounds that you have yeah. for a moment the feeling oh this is the end this won't continue or whatever <laughs> i know that feeling it is yeah it, it, it is really like like it sounds so romantic sometimes afterwards yeah you have to do mistakes you have to go through this oh yeah yeah okay cool cool when you're in it, it, it is really as terrible as you imagine and even worse. Yeah. And that's where then the differences are made. You know, like this is, this is exactly the point, you know, like, and, and it's, it's really not, it's, and you cannot be sure, you know, like, like it's not even the case that you say, okay, now I'm going through this problem, but in the end it will be good. No, there are also realities out there that it won't be good. It will be the end. Mm -hmm. you know? And that though there's no, safety that and there's no security that you're when you're getting through these problems that it will get better no there's no guarantee and that's yeah. that's the whole point and this can happen within weeks you know? yeah and so it's something that you always need to be aware of and that you're always risking everything at every time and that's okay and when mm -hmm. it's not okay then it's maybe you're not you should not do this yeah, again, completely agree with that. I think it's uh, in those moments of turmoil is when you really get to see who you truly are and how you can sort of fight or flight and bounce back in those situations. I think when I talk from my experience at times when I can think in my head where I was like, what do we do now? The first thing I did was, you know, obviously try and solve the problem. But the best thing I did actually was not being afraid to seek help from others and beyond my actual yes. business, yes. over yes. the last few years, I had never had a mentor before. And I seeked out a mentor after some advice from some people. And getting a mentor for someone that's done it a lot longer than you and been through more failures than you yes. was the best investment I ever made. So if I could say anything to anyone listening is if you can get a mentor or, or, or someone, yeah. a life coach or someone that can help you as well. Yeah, and allow yourself to be weak. Yes. You know, that's that's also very important. Like like especially when you're starting a business and you have the the own or the self view that you need to be strong at every time. Yes, at certain times you need to be strong. Yes, of course. Uh, but allow yourself the same weakness 
and be careful with you and mild with you to say, okay, this was a mistake. Yeah, I did a mistake. Okay, good. But now I'm, I'm two days, I'm down and I'm weeping and I'm, I'm suffering. Yeah, do that. Be weak. And then, of course, then it can be created something else. Because when you're always trying to be strong, it's, it's, it will sooner or later crush you completely. Yeah. So the little failures are even, or the little weaknesses are even more healthy than the one big in the end where you cannot, cannot change it all the time. And, and being authentic also with the people, you know, when we had problems, I'm, I try always to be, to be honest with them and say, okay, this is now running not good. And it's, it's nobody's fault. And, or it's, it was even my fault. Maybe it's, you know, being, being human, you know, like, and that's, that's very important. And I think with that, you, you can be a much better leader than just pretending that you have everything in control or you know everything. Ah, that's, that's rubbish. That's not really working. That's also not fun. You know, it's, it's too, it's, it's too much power draining there. No. Yeah, no. absolutely. We're, we're not superhuman. Nobody is. Yeah. And there is yeah. something to be said about being vulnerable because if you don't show yeah, your vulnerable, offense, that's the word. Yeah. Yes. Because if you don't show that side to you, then nobody's going to be able to help you if you pretend that you, you know it all and you've, there's no, there's no flaws. So yeah. Yeah, definitely. I had even, even times where I said, I, I don't know a solution now. At the moment, I don't know. Let's, let's work on this. I don't have that. I have an idea, but I, I don't know. Or even I don't have an idea. So <laughs> let's try to talk. Let's try to convince and try to get out of this. Yeah. Okay, good. <laughs> Philosopher's <laughs> last words. That's good. That was a, was a brilliant response. I appreciate that, Mark. Well, uh, um, as I say, you know, thank you so much for being a guest on the Startup Stories podcast. It's been a pleasure and I look forward to following Soy's journey over the next year from afar and seeing how far you go. Yeah, thanks for having me on your show. My pleasure, Mark. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Startup Stories. I hope you enjoyed hearing from our guests and learning more about their journey in the startup world. I'll be back soon with another exciting episode featuring a new guest. So make sure to subscribe to Startup Stories so you never miss an episode. Also, don't forget to follow me on social media for updates and additional content. And if you have any suggestions for guests or topics you'd like to hear about, please reach out to me. And as always, I appreciate your support and feedback. Thanks for listening and I'll see you next time.